This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links and for becoming patrons at patreon.com slash Show. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interviews show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 331, we're going to go platinum as we talk about Beetle and Grimm's special edition D&D boxes. And joining us for this episode is a newcomer to the show, uh, but I am I am told has uh, purchased, what, two copies of every Beetle and Grimm product? Is that what you tell me? Yes, and then I got uh, Eberron on the way. And Eberron on the way. So this is Matt Lane. So welcome to the show, Matt. How's it going, y'all? This is the second night in a row that we have streamed a recording, and somebody has had a cat wander through as we were doing so. <laughs> so. <laughs> when I want to pet him, he's nowhere to be found. And as soon as I start looking at the screen and have the camera, he's like, oh, you're paying attention to that. <laughs> I want to be there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so just to give um, anyone who doesn't who doesn't know what Beale and Grimm is, they're a Wizards of the Coast licensee who takes officially produced D&D books and turns them into premium sets that include books, props, minis, maps, and more, so that anyone can run a full adventure with minimal prep, but still have all the stuff you wish you still had time uh, to make for your game. And D&D for people who want fancy and have more money than time. So, and later in this episode, Jeff's going to have an interview with Bill Rohr, uh, one of the founders of the company. That's right. Before we dive into the special edition sets, I do want to thank all of our listeners who support the show. Doing so is easy. You can either go shopping at DMs Guild or Amazon, just like you normally would. But uh, get there through the links at thetomeshow.com and we get a small percentage uh, and you get to support the show. Or you can support us directly at Patreon uh, by going to patreon.com slash thetomeshow. Uh, just like Leonard Pelche, Jill Sanders, Doug Palmer, and the new patron, Jared Rasher, uh, you can uh, contribute, you know, a dollar a month or, or, or more if you want, uh, and, and support us in that way. So, um, that's it. Now it's time to get into the Beetle and Grimm special editions. Um, I want to start off, though, by sort of getting everybody's experiences with Beetle and Grimm, um, and I'm trying to figure out if we should work our way up to Matt, or if we should let Matt sort of shame us all uh, with all of his uh, Beetle and Grimm stuff. So, <laughs> so um, I've always had a, an intense interest in Beetle and Grimm products. Um, they always looked really cool. It's the kind of stuff that I, I wish I had a lot of, but never pulled the trigger on until recently. Um, the reason being I was never quite, you know, because you have to basically pay for it and order it before you even know what's fully in the box. You don't, you're not sure what you're going to get. Um, and you kind of have to do it before you even know if you like the, the product, if you like the adventure that it's based on, right? Um, that combined with the cost always made me hesitate, right? Um, finally, in, in recent history... Uh, that changed a little bit for me in that I saw a product I was pretty sure I was going to like, right? Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. It hits a lot of my my buttons in terms of what I love about D&D. Um, I like the dealing with sort of the, the cosmic celestial blood war sort of storylines in D&D. Uh, and this was going to be that. 
And we had saved up enough Tom Show money over the like 15 years that I've been doing the show that I decided um, I could put some funds toward this and buy a couple of boxes, one for Tracy, one for myself. Uh, and if we're going to do it, this seems like the product that's going to have the best bet of of getting my attention and, and making me a, a happy person as well uh, as giving me a chance to talk about it here on the show so people could could find out what it was about and whether they liked it. And so I have that one box, the Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. That's the only thing I've bought from Beetle and Grimm. Um, I guess that's my experience. Tracy, are you are you much different than me? No, except that I think that I had somehow Beetle and Grimm had escaped my notice. So I didn't until you had told me about it. I, I didn't know m- oh, much wow. of anything about it. So uh, and um, after I got over the sticker shock and we made sure that I I, I knew that I, I did not have to pay it out of my own funds, then we, we got it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Especially if you didn't know what you were getting into, you don't want to drop that. I mean, because this box was five hundred dollars, you don't want to drop that kind of money if you don't didn't even know what the company was two days ago. Right, and just to put it even more context, when you told me about it, it was when there were only a few left, comparatively. Right. I, I think when, so, we, when we bought our set, they were down to less than 10 left. Yeah, so I, 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 it was a little bit of a quickly learn enough to know whether or not $500 is good. <laughs> <laughs> but I... But yeah, I don't want to talk... I don't, there's no spoilers for the rest of the interview. But yeah, okay. that's where I, where I was. Um, but... I, it's the type of thing that I would like because I do like having um, handouts and other things that I can use at the table. Uh, and I have a three-year-old and thus I don't have a ton of time to, to create things of myself like I used to. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so Matt, you were uh, pretty quickly on board, it looks like. You have quite a few Beetle and Grimm things sitting uh, with you. I can see Matt, for those of you listening, I can see Matt on the stream, uh, and he has all of his Beetle and Grimm stuff sort of on display around him. Yep, all three of them. Um, so um, last year, it was really our first big con we ever went to was a game hole con, and that was Beetle and Grimm's first Con they went to well no they went to Gen Con announced this and then we saw them out there and I saw this and all the stuff they had and I was really I love Waterdeep Waterdeep's my favorite I like having the city instead of the you know the horrible places you usually go in D and D it was nice to be someplace nice with a bunch of cool NPCs and that's where Jarlaxle's at so uh, yeah I really liked Waterdeep so it's all about that um, and. Uh, the maps, the, they had some of the maps they were showing off, and those just looked amazing. And then um, I do, like, Adventures League stuff, so they oh, it comes with a cert, and that's, like, fancy Adventures League DLC stuff. So uh, I was I was excited about that. Though. Yeah, you're right, 500 bucks though. So I was like, uh, but I ended up getting one, and then since uh, I have problems... I got uh, a second one from them for each, so the other one just stays in the. You see, you see, you see how the box is like this big. You get oh, it yeah. in; it's huge. It's like it's like you have a three-year-old. It's like two of those. So <laughs> it's like the size of two toddlers. It's huge. So um, like um, yeah, I love their uh, the Waterdeep box. Um, I had a ton of fun with that one, and then um, Salt Marsh. I wasn't too hype on, 
but uh, they I think they knew that, so that's why they went with the silver edition for the Salt Marsh because people weren't as excited for Salt Marsh as they were for Avernus, and I was really excited about that too. So I got that, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to get them all at this point. <laughs> so yeah, uh, they do other really cool stuff too. Um, I got the um, the map. Uh, they did the uh, Alex uh, or no, so, uh, yeah the Mr. Game Hulkon guy, uh, he did uh, with Frog God Games, he did that Sea King's Malice, and they actually did a big old map for that that's its mm-hmm. own like boat. So I think that's all the stuff they've had so far, and I haven't really been disappointed yet, so I'm probably going to keep on getting okay. them as long as they got extra encounters and all that stuff. That's what I'm really in it for. Okay, excellent. So, so you've got the experience of, of the Dragon Heist, um, Avernus, and Salt Marsh. Those are the three things um, that you've dug into, as well as the, the extra map. And I know that they also sell some of the extras of some of the props um, on their Oh, yeah. Their so, website. like, the, uh, the badges. Well, yeah, like, the, uh, the badges and soul coins. This is one of the best parts of the water deep. It actually has the uh, stone of galore. Oh, there. I wish I had so, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think like, yeah, where it is. Oh, there. Yeah, that's how it's actually supposed to go. It's oh, it, fits, it fits in the cover. That's excellent. Yeah. Oh, that, that attention to attention to detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the first one actually came with um, not the... Uh, uh, not the like super fancy minis like these guys, not the collector's series minis, but okay. it came with the uh, the unpainted ones. Uh-huh. Um, it looks like they're not going to be doing that. Any, They only did that with the first one. It doesn't look like they're going to be doing that anymore because I haven't seen it in these two. Uh, well, they had the Beetle and Grim mini, but that was because I'm pretty sure Matthew Lillard wanted to have his own beetle and grip. <laughs> so they <laughs> nice. exist, which is nice. But um, it doesn't look like they're doing the, like, just random unpainted minis in there anymore. But that was uh, a big part of the uh, the first box, though. Okay. Uh, now they got stuff like the fancy war machines and, like you said, all the nice metal stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, and, and you, we, you mentioned earlier that... Um, Ghost of Salt Marsh is the only their only foray into um, the what was it, the Not silver, silver edition? Yeah, yeah they've, done two, they've done the two platinums and then they've got the silver, and then the upcoming they've got an Eberron box coming up that's gold. their first attempt that's at gold. gold. Yeah, and eventually and that they, one. Is oh, the, go ahead. That uh, the Eberron one. Uh, so these were a thousand a piece for the runs. Yeah. The Eberron one. They, cause like, cause Salt Marsh wasn't as popular, and then um, uh, the Eberron one though is unnumbered. They haven't said how many of those there are going to be yet, so that's why they haven't like put a timer up or anything. But probably towards the end of next month, you might start seeing like, oh, we know how many of these are going to be, so these are how many are left. So, so what's the price differential between the three tiers? Um, five hundred. 
uh, at, uh, 200, and then um, I think it's uh, Evron was 350 or 300. I want to say, let me double check. Oh, somebody in the chat says that it'll be 250. Two, yeah, that was yeah, mine. Yeah. Michaela, so, yeah, Michaela, this, Michaela Sims, who I believe works for Beetle and Grimm, is oh, in the chat. So. Hey, hey, she, she knows. She knows. She, she <laughs> <don't> definitely know. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty sure because I'm looking at that one potentially for for, for my husband because he's a big Evron fan. Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going to be in it yet, but they're, they're trying to go for, um, like, like, in between the two. So, right. like, the... Um, I would say they're, they're probably keeping more of the cool stuff. Because, I mean, the metal stuff's nice. I mean, it's cool, and it's nice to, like, show your players. But, like, nobody's really wearing it around for the rest of the campaign or anything like that. Like, I'm, like, it, I really like to, to have something physical and tactile. And the metal things do last forever, which is nice, too. Right. But um, it's, I like the, the handouts. And stuff, and the maps, and the extra encounters—all that's real. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the the Eberron one. I'm getting three of those because oh, well, he's not watching anyway. He's not watching anyway, so it doesn't matter. I'm not ruining the surprise. But (laughs) yeah, one's one's a gift, and then uh, yeah, I'm keeping the other two. But no, uh, I'm really excited about that one. And then whatever else comes out and the reason i think that's gold too is because it's the new setting and everything it's not like forgotten realms just like salt marsh was technically not forgotten realms although i think most dms just ran it as forgotten <laughs> I, I didn't see too many people making it Greyhawk. but yeah so well it's also a little bit different because like dragon heist and avernus these are full-blown adventures whereas salt marsh is really more of a collection of adventures that are are only loosely sort of connected to each other mostly thematically not by story uh and everyone's everyone's not an adventure at all uh it's a setting book with a little adventure in it you know yeah exactly so like they they got a lot of newspapers and stuff in everon i don't who knows what they're that'd be cool to like just give them an article like uh, there's a lot of stuff they could put in there. There is, uh, although there's some like degree. Like I do, I do newspapers in my campaign. I'm running Dragon Heist right now, and I do news. I I, I print uh, an issue of the Waterdeep Wazoo every week. Wazoo, that's yeah. Awesome. Uh, but that's awesome. but I wouldn't want that to be provided to me by in a box like this because part of what makes it work is that I customize it to the characters and what they do, and I make references to that kind of stuff. And you can't do that in something that was published, you know, by somebody else uh, before the, the product came out, you know? Um, so there's a degree yeah. to which I'm still doing things on my own, uh, even though these might provide me with a lot of the, the neat props and the maps and that kind of stuff. And I am looking that, forward to not doing another, maps. That's another nice thing about the maps, like the water deep map, it could be one thing, but then it, it has like these dots on it. You could line them up. So like you put all four red dots together and it'd be a completely different map. So like it was like four map pieces, but you could make like 32. So you could make like, yeah, I think, yeah, times four, four hundred. Yeah, so you can make like 32 some maps with it just by moving it around and stuff. Um, like the uh, the Vernus thing, you saw they had the clings in there, the the terrain cling things. Uh, so like the, the maps are nice because you can use them for like, it's just like, it's Eberron, it has enough Eberron paint or enough like Vernus theme on it that you could use it for 
pretty much whatever in a campaign, which I, I really, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of the maps in here. That's, that's one of the things that definitely got me on board with it. Now that is versatile. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, the maps are going to be really nice, and I'm looking forward to, to digging into Descent into Avernus and using all the maps and having all that ready to go. It's a really expensive product for maps, right? Like, if it didn't have all the other yes. pieces to it, I don't, you know, I, I don't think it would be worth $500 just for a bunch of maps. I mean, and just. They're great maps, but they're not $500 of maps, right? Oh no! It'd be hard to do a five hundred dollars backpack. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, the the um, the, the uh, I like the uh, the like you. I'm, I was just saying for as far as homebrew stuff. If you're looking to get it for just homebrew, that would probably be the big seller. Would be the maps because everything else would be kind of like it's nice stuff. Like and like on the like on theme and everything, but like. Say in your game, you don't even, I don't want to deal with the flaming fist in my like Baldur's Gate, or like I don't want to do any of the factions in Waterdeep, then you might not even get to the fancy props and everything. Right on. And, and for the record, we have an employee of um, Beetle and Grimm in the chat uh, watching the stream, and, and she mentions that they are planning on releasing map packs. Uh, at, a, at lower price points of just the maps in 2020, so that might be something to keep an eye on too. If you're oh, that's really if nice. you want it for the yeah, maps, yeah. And you don't want to pay for the the heavy book and and the props and all that kind of stuff. So, so um, fingers fingers crossed that they get some. I hope they release some digital too. That'd be <laughs> that that'd be nice because I I use the TV. I use the digital map a lot, so I just oh. like flip a TV on its side. So like the I, I love their maps though, but like for me, I'm I'm so used to having the digital ones. Okay, interesting. Um, so what's it seems like from our experience, what typically comes in the box is you've got the maps, you've got sometimes you got minis uh, in in the Avernus box. You mostly have the Infernal War Machine mini, which is a big fancy cool mini. Um, you do have the, the stuffed Lulu. Uh, mine's back here, if you can see it on the stream. Um, uh, which is cool, and I plan on completely using Lulu every time I'm, I'm role-playing oh, yeah. Lulu as an NPC. Right? I'll hold it up and, and do things. Um, there's a lot of minis that I would want to run the game, right? to run the adventure, that's not here. So I still have to, to get a little bit uh, put together to make the thing sort of work. But you've also got all these really cool like metal props, like you pointed out the soul coin, or even the paper props, like the you know the menu or or menu. Kind of oh yeah. Uh, in in Waterdeep, they had Jarlaxle's letter. Oh, that was uh, the the, mm -hmm. the the article for the the wazoo. Oh uh, no no they had oh, Jarlaxle's okay. invitation to come oh, the out invitation. and eat on his. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's got a lot of cool things. I, I think there's what three badges and then the the contract uh, here and the soul coin. So there are four different um, metal products uh, in terms of props here. There's a bunch of paper props. There's two separate uh, DM screens. 
depending on whether you're in Baldur's Gate or in Avernus, there's a different DM screen set up. Um, there's also, uh, you know, you got the all the paper props. There's a bunch of paper props. I like that the books are split up by chapter. They Each one oh, gets yeah. its own separate books, which makes it easy to reference things all over the place. You get the little cards with the art on it. Um, I like the encounter cards as well, where you've got like, you know, the picture on one side with the stats on the other side. So you can just sort of set it up on the table and the players see what they need to see. But you got an easy, quick reference to the stat block. Um, so there's a lot of cool so much things. easier than showing the book and trying to cover stuff up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff there, uh, and a lot of cool things you can you can do with it beyond just the maps. Um, but in terms of like the maps are, you're right. The maps are going to be the thing that make my life easier. Um, the rest of the stuff is going to be the things that sort of takes the campaign up a notch and adds that level of oh, yeah. cool that I just don't have time to. To, you know, back in the day, I might have made my own infernal menu uh, and, you know, painted it with tea and put it in the oven and done all that kind of stuff. Uh, but now I don't have to, right? It's here, both in, in English and in infernal. Um, and, and all the other things there as well. So there's a lot of cool things here that are going to, like, up my game that I don't otherwise want to pay for or, or have the time to make. Um, and I'm curious, so what you've done these two, and you've talked a little bit about what's in the Dragon Heist, but let's talk, uh, I want to hear from you particularly about the the Silver Edition uh, and what was in that box, because we Tracy and I don't have any experience with that edition. Okay, so Silver Edition, it actually has like a lot of the, uh, like it has the map uh boat maps two-sided um it did not have any certs in it because those are only on the gold and above but it has yeah handouts um the uh, uh what happened oh yeah the jewelry actually i <laughs> I, I was at a convention and somebody said they donate 100 bucks to Jasper's game day if they could have the props from my silver edition <laughs> so i was like oh if it's for the kids, okay, you got me. But uh, no, it had the um, it had the cursed luck stone thing and the Thrazadin, Thrazadon, uh shark uh, metal shark necklace thing. So it had it did have like a couple metal props in there. Um, no minis or anything like that. Uh, yeah, but it, it does have everything like like everything you need to run the game plus another couple props, just not quite as uh, ostentatious, I guess. Sure. Uh, okay. But uh, no, yeah, it, it's the silver edition was definitely really, really good value. I think. Okay. Cause like if you, but you're going all in, if you're going to spend like 500, you know, like people, I, I know I expect like you know, pretty much everything I can get and I right. get it with, Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious, uh, how much is... Oh, oh go ahead. Uh, the, the, you were talking about the DM screens. The DM screens are a lot nicer than the uh, one... <clears throat> well, first off, they're bigger and fancier, so you look like a more imposing and fancier <laughs> DM, which is nice. But uh, it's like when I see people use the collector's edition books, I'm like, oh, this guy must know what he's doing. But uh, no, they have the information on the back of them is like 
uh, different than what's on the Gale Force 9 screens you can like buy at stores and Amazon and stuff like that. Uh, it's actually like they kind of have the basic stuff on those, but on these they actually have like um, like in the Waterdeep one they had the gangs broken out, and, like their relationships and who's in what gang and stuff. So like the the DM screens definitely have like. Uh, those are a lot nicer than your typical ones. They have a lot more pertinent information for whatever adventure it is you're running. Right. No, so I'm curious. Uh, the, the next part of sort of what I want to talk about is is um, either in your experience running uh, using these or just your anticipation. If you haven't, you know, I haven't had a chance to run Descent into Avernus with the box yet. Um, how do you anticipate that this changes your your prep for the game right uh i imagine i'm gonna save a lot of time drawing with map drawing uh i think i would have probably gone without a lot of the props right i wouldn't have had a soul coin i wouldn't have had um you know the the creed resolute or the the menu or whatever i might have printed out a picture from the um the image in the book right i might have um shown images of those kinds of things but that would have been the extent of my prep i wouldn't have gone all out with all that kind of stuff. So it mostly saves me the time of drawing maps. I'm curious what other people's, uh, what, well, let's start with Tracy. We haven't heard as much from you yet. How do you think this might cha change your prep? Um, so a lot of it is also how much I'd have to carry if I wasn't running the game here. Mm. Um, because now we don't have to necessarily carry the entire book all the time. Um, it depends on, okay. on that. Obviously, where you are and what you're trying to do, but remember they they cut out it's a chap um, a separate booklet for each chapter. For each chapter, yeah. So um, you know you probably still want to carry around, um, if I recall correctly, the the one with like broader information, but the, in the adventure, yeah, yeah, the, the gazetteer and then the maybe the appendix with the the stat blocks in it and that kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, and then the the chapter and maybe the next one, just in case how quickly you go through something, um, rather than everything. And also because it doesn't have that hard cover on the outside, it's lighter. Uh, sure. So that would be a, a big one for me. And then I used to make all of those similar types of cards where I print out the, the creature or the NPC and then have the stats on the back. So I found those incredibly useful while running. So mm -hmm. those would be very useful to me because I wouldn't have to make them anymore. Oh, right on. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point too. I didn't think because I play in my own home, so I don't think too much about having to lug things around anymore. Um, now, on one hand, something like this seems like it creates a lot more to lug around because you have all the props and all that kind of stuff. Um, but on the other hand, you can just kind of take the ones that are that you think are going to be pertinent for the upcoming session, right? Uh, so it really right. maybe doesn't create that much more, but you can create a lot more bang with it. And then as you get through the adventure more, obviously, you don't necessarily have to have the earlier parts. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so Matt, you've actually run with uh, – have you run Descent into Avernus yet? Yeah, well, I haven't ran it with this yet. I'm starting that up with my online game, but I did – I ran it with some of the props at uh, Gamehole Con because okay. the, the Beetle and Grimm's folks were nice enough to uh, give me some stuff because it – <laughs> I was playing on it on the platinum box, but it came out like literally like the day after like Halloween and uh, uh, is when people started getting them. But they, they hooked me up. So like uh, I got to use the uh, some of the props and the uh, DM screens and stuff like that and the uh, Lulu. But um, I haven't got to uh, 
I haven't got to like do the bonus and enc- extra encounters and all that stuff yet. Um, but you've used the other the extra, two. I've used the other two. Yeah, yeah. So, Waterdeep. So how does it how did it, how did it affect your prep? How does it affect the amount of time that you take to to prepare? Waterdeep's kind of unique because they had the uh, the separate bad guys. So the way how they have all everything broken up mm-hmm. was even more convenient with Waterdeep because I was like, well, I don't even need any of this stuff, so I'll just vote. I'll just use this one. Um, and then like just having some of the, cause uh, even in the books and stuff, some of the bigger encounter, like they'll have like all the dungeons mapped out really like in, um, well, in either of these actually like the sewers, cause they love the sewers in Baldur's gate and they love the sewers and water deep. You spend a lot of time there. So like the sewers, they got like super mapped out and everything. But then like when you go down to like the, uh, when you go down to like the docks in uh, Waterdeep, they don't really have anything there for you in the book. But in this, they have it like all covered. Um, same deal with like the villa later encounters. So it just it helps with my planning because like I I know like oh I got it's easier for me to like visualize and separate out because I'm like okay I know I got that coming up so I'm going to need that map for that. So just having the resources opens up some more options. Um, and having everything broken up is definitely nice too, because I can just hand my players the uh, like the the, gaz- the gazette and be like, "Here, this is all player stuff. You guys are allowed to read all of this. There's no stats or anything." So having that there is really nice too. Um, the uh, the pr- and the props too. I do like some of those. I like to like okay, so then they're going to meet. I don't know, like this the city watch. I'll just have this ready. This is what they're wearing. So like. Right. Stuff like that, it's nice to it, – it helps – I can plan around it, and sometimes it's like a little exclamation point or it just draws – keeps players more like in the game, really. Gives them some shiny to play with because sure. they like So, So it sounds like we all sort of agree that it make the, – the boxes are going to make our prep easier for an even more immersive game. You know, we, we, less time prepping and we get a, a more immersive game than if we had spent more time prepping. Um, does that seem and fair? Yeah. And as far as prep, too, um, they come with the uh, D&D Beyond codes. For, like, I don't know if you've got yours yet, but yep. they, uh, they, 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 okay. So, yeah, they come with the D&D Beyond codes, which definitely, I don't know how much you use it, but I am the D&D beyond dependent so uh, so like that's uh that definitely adds a lot of value to me and that saves like all the prep time in the world and i'm really glad they give it to you and it makes sense though i mean if you spend this much you should the digital version too and they have the uh, sirenscape codes now uh two that come with it with the not with the water deep one but with the avernus one they had the science escape that the Sirenscape, what you got the app for and stuff. So if you want to do, if you like the soundboards and the uh, ambient music and noises, you they got that for you too. So, so they, they cover a lot of pieces in there. So I'm curious because this is the first time Tracy and I have have dug into this. Um, I have the I have access to the product on D and D Beyond because I'm also a D and D Beyond insider, uh, but not so not because of this, oh. right? Um, so jelly, I want that little badge. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and and I, but but my question is: so do the does the 
D&D Beyond codes come later, uh, as, long as, as well as the Searinscape stuff? Or is it in the box? Because uh, I didn't see it. Uh, it comes later. They email that to you okay. on the account. Okay. So whatever emails attached to the account, they email it to. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was curious about that because I thought I'm like I thought there was supposed to be soundtrack stuff to this. I don't see any information about that, but but that's how it comes. I'll get an email. No, about the boxes, the the boxes already so filled up, and I think a lot of it too is like so they have to wait for like the actual book to come out. Mm-hmm. So like the actual book has to be out and in the wild and stuff before they have a chance to do everything else. So. Yeah, yeah, that that time frame's really short between the books out and we got to get our giant fancy book out. Right, and I think and and well, people will get more of this in a, in a moment when they hear the interview I did with uh, Bill Rayer. Um, I think one of the the limitations of these boxes is the timing. Right, they want it to come out as as soon after the 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 Watsi product as possible. But that doesn't give them like they start putting the props together from an outline, and so they may not end up putting the props together for for all the stuff. Like you know what I'm saying? Like the, you know you know you may not yeah, get yeah. the pieces that you really want. It turns out because those pieces didn't exist when they started putting this stuff together. Uh, and so I'm curious, um, what doesn't show up in these boxes that you you wish was there? And, and, and I don't think it's of any fault of theirs that, that, that there's stuff that, you know, that's the, the nature of, of what they're doing, but. Um, the, uh, I really like the, the extra encounters and stuff. I really like maybe more of those and more certs, but I can see why they don't want to put too many of the certs in there because then like. The adventures, some adventures league players would be like, "Well, I didn't spend five hundred bucks. I can't get X, Y, and Z, sir." So, right. like, I see why they don't like stuff it full of them. Um, but the encounters would be nice. Like, I don't, I don't care about the the certs at all because I don't play no, adventures. No, the extra, <laughs> no, the extra encounters they put in there are really, really good. Um, I think I can't. I run like eat, so far every time I've ran them, I've ran like all the extra encounters. Um, it's. Uh, it's like really, really good stuff, like platinum, uh, like platinum uh, or electrum, whatever you would call it, on DM's guild, and actual like wizards of the coast like level stuff. It's really, really well well written and really like uh, nicely integrated to the story. It doesn't like stick out or anything. No, uh, I just, I just, those, I just, yeah, I wish there were more of them. I think the Avernus box has like three of them. Um. Exactly. Yeah, I could do. I could definitely do more of those. And then uh, it's like a long shot. But if they put, I'm like obsessed with the uh, the collector series, the Gale Force Nine minis. minis. If they put some of those in there, but they only make fifteen hundred of these right. anyway, so most of them would end up in these boxes. So I see why they don't do that. Well, and Michaela in the chat pointed out last time we talked about minis that they've had a lot of dialogue internally about providing more minis to, to to help people out with that kind of stuff uh but it's really it sounds like it's really cost prohibitive <laughs> you know you basically would oh yeah, yeah. considerably some people the price. some people are all about minis some people right. could care less some people are all about just having minis right. just just having them just like there it is i have it 
good part of my mini collection well, and, and not like using them so yeah it's figuring what market you're going for there i could definitely see that being kind of tricky because it might not be the same people that are going for everything else in the box right. and that's kind of what she said is that uh you know some people want the painted some people want the unpainted some people don't want them at all uh so why increase the price on something that people that uh, a, a decent number of people don't want um it, as, as I read that comment, though, one of the things that occurred to me is um, there are a couple of companies now doing uh, relatively inexpensive flat plastic minis um, that you know, oh, yeah, have, yeah, have the, art, the color art on both sides or whatever. And I've got, a, I've got a few. I've got one good size set of those and actually uh, backed another one on Kickstarter. That might be a relatively not cost prohibitive way of, yeah. of getting like here's all the monsters you need too you know or you can go buy the 3d minis but here they are relatively cheap so you can if you want to put them on the map you can and um, they already got the art and everything for them from yeah. the no so no that no i could totally go for some flat plastic minis or even just token yeah yeah uh, the other thing um like i know why they don't do it because people really 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 like their like dice and are really specific about their dice and it'd really just be more money but like a themed theme theme dice they'd be limited just because there'd be a thousand of them that that's only that's only i mean wizards just sold them super fancy 300 dollars dice i don't need anything that fancy <laughs> just some uh just well, some plastic ones but, wizard, but wizards also has been sent selling sets of dice since tomb of annihilation they've been selling sets of dice um themed to to those sets um and uh and and my little pony don't forget and, and they put out pony, a yep. dvd that's, <laughs> that's, that's like my favorite set tracy uh, tracy you were gonna say something a second ago what was it oh, sorry. I, I was gonna say that um one thing that might be useful is some atmospheric art to include mm. that that you could put on the like the other side of the DM screen or something, or to help explain things that are going on. You mean like landscapes um, or things and, and scenes? It, yeah, like that could be uh, interesting. I know you can get some of that artwork out of the book, but then again, you have to try to photocopy it or otherwise do, figure out. They do have um, in some of them. It's not the it's not the cardstock like the uh, the encounter ones, but they do have some like uh, just panel art in there on paper that's folded over um a lot of those go along nice. with the uh yes yeah there we go yeah exactly yeah see it's not quite uh it's not the uh cardstock but a lot of those are really nice now the book and then some of them go along with the yeah yeah there yeah and some yeah that one's straight up out of the book right but uh yeah those uh some of them go uh, along with the uh, bonus uh the extra encounters too like straight up, like straight up, like the ones in Waterdeep were exactly like that. They went along with it, but no, I would, I would love some more uh, landscapes and just like this is what this room little sketch. Like I can never get enough art though, so yeah, I'm all, I'm always, yeah, I, I could always go for more art with my stuff. Google image search is my number one DM. 
tool crutch. I don't. Oh, I yeah. use it a lot. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I play with my my iPad right there, or my either or my phone if I if I don't have my iPad. So whenever you know the something's coming up, I'm searching up that art and I'm showing it to the to the players all the time. Uh, so it's yeah, nice. Yeah. I look forward to having it all right there. Uh, I'm just hoping the the trick is I, I'm concerned if there's too much art, then when I need it, I have to, I'm sitting there shuffling papers trying to find it, oh, and, yeah. and it it lose the immersion, you know. No, the only other thing I like, um, yeah, that's a maybe if they had like I don't know, like some like uh, if they did like a Strahd, for example, which fingers crossed, I really, really hope they do oh. a Curse of Strahd. You think they'll like, go back and and do old older adventures? That might be interesting. Mm-hmm. They, they, I've asked like 10,000 times and they've said they're not doing all this stuff right now. But still, they might do something else. Like, I've seen tweets and stuff, people like Jeremy Crawford talking about Ravenloft and stuff again. So who, who knows? Maybe, maybe. Uh, but yeah, if they did another, if they did like, uh, like a Teraka deck, like, uh, like little, like, or, or like they have the, um, the Three Dragon Annie. Mm-hmm. Like just just like stuff like that that pl- I could give to somebody that could play a little game with like that stuff like that be neat but nothing I can't think of anything really big like more more of what they got and like some smaller stuff but I can't really think of mm-hmm. like a big addition to it that unless they're like oh we got like replica weapons or something yeah I don't really know sure, like what yeah, yeah. puppets. They gave me puppets. I'd be down for that. Like, I, I, that's I, what Lulu is, that. right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So yeah. Have um, a specially made bookshelf just to hold the books. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like the only other thing, the like, I can't think of anything like huge, huge that like they could add to it. Uh, just more, more of what they're doing, and if it was available, like easy access digitally that'd be nice too but i think there's uh there's a licensing thing there with wizards so so uh i my last question um is i think the question when it comes to beetle these beetle and grim boxes right we've talked extensively about sort of how you use them and what's in them and that kind of stuff uh and if people are really interested we uh tracy and i did an unboxing video uh it was actually the first stream we ever did was our unboxing video of this box uh and that's available on youtube if people want to see us actually go through and show you every single thing that's that's in this box uh for the descent into avernus um but the big question i think um that every single person has to ask themselves because there's not a single D&D player in the world that I don't think would love to have these boxes. But the question is, is it worth the money, right? When you're talking about a $500 D&D adventure, is it worth it? As, as a DM, I guess it really depends on how appreciative your players are because if everybody splits in and you got a party of five, hey – <laughs> that's not really that bad at all. Like if everybody's like pitching in like 7,500 bucks for like a whole D and D campaign and the fanciest version of the D and D campaign, that's not bad. But if you have ungrateful players and you're like, I just spent 500 bucks guys. And they're like, eh, then yeah, I could, see <laughs> I, could nice. I could see that not being much fun. <laughs> yeah. Tracy, what do you think? I think, 
it for the platinum in particular, having the players pitch in or something like that would or happen to be in a case where you know you may be running this a lot for um, different groups. Maybe maybe then it's worth it for you to pay five hundred dollars. Um, but having people pitch in would be good. But I am itching to buy the Eberron one for two fifty, so I think there's something here. <laughs> Yes, yeah, that's true. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think the it's an easier the 250 to say, price point. The, the two fifty price point's a lot easier to rationalize. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's a, it's a lot easier to, to convince myself um, at at a two fifty price point. But the stuff in the eh, I don't know. Would I give up half of the stuff in the five hundred dollar platinum box to to get it for two fifty? I might. Um, I might be willing to 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 get a smaller box with a little less stuff in it for a little cheaper. I don't know. Um, I, th- I think the key for me is I, I don't know when I'm buying an adventure. And by the time I have to make the decision whether or not to get the, the, the Beetle and Grimm version, I have to be buying it before I've read the adventure. And that's a hard call to make. Right. If, if I knew, like if I had known how much I was going to love Dragon Heist when the option to buy the Platinum Edition for Dragon Heist was out, then I, I may have really considered buying it because Dragon Heist is, uh, I'm pretty sure, probably my second favorite a published adventure from fifth edition, right? Um, I knew I liked you. <laughs> yeah, well, se- se- second, second to Descent into Avernus, which is, and I knew that one was hitting my my right check marks. So I, that's why I, I made the jump on that one. But it's it, it's so hard to tell if this is an adventure I'm even going to like that much. Like I would hate, I would have hated to to buy a platinum edition of Storm King's Thunder or Tomb of Annihilation when I then get the the books and I'm like, yeah, that's all right, you know. Um, but it wasn't something I, a, a story I was really excited to play, and now I've dropped five hundred dollars on it. That's a hard thing to swallow. You do. You make a valid point. If I if it was Ghost of Saltmarsh Platinum Edition, uh, yeah, <laughs> you'd have been disappointed in it, right? Well, um, I don't even know what they would have put in there. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. by like it, it's it's Ghost of Salt Marsh, and then it ends in not Salt Marsh. You got to go to the styes with all oh, spoilers, but styes are horrible, and it tells you more about people's skin conditions than their personality and everything. It's like a <laughs> warehouse and a sane asylum, and everything's horrible. So, like, I don't even know what prop or anything. You know, I don't know what you really could have done with. <laughs> it's not fun. There's no like soul coins and <laughs> a, a, a bag of sloughed off skin from the styes, right? Yeah, exactly. Nail clippings. Well, and and, um, uh, regular on the show, especially on uh, one of the co hosts on the Behind the DM screen show that we do here, uh, Mike Shea also bought the silver edition of uh, Ghost of Salt Marsh and and has strung those adventures together into a whole campaign. And um, when he didn't have time to join us tonight, I tried to get him to come on. But when he emailed back saying he couldn't come on, one of the things he mentioned was he was actually kind of really disappointed in the product anyway. He thought for the price that he spent, he, he wasn't using much of what was in there. And it didn't, he, did, he didn't feel like he got the bang for, for his buck there. So, like, yeah, I think it's, it's tough to make the decision. How do I know if this is what I want to buy when I don't know whether or not I even like the store yet? Um, and that's, that's really the question. When I ask myself, is it worth the money? The answer is, 
it kind of depends if I like the story. And by the time I decide yeah, if I like the story, it's, it's oftentimes too late, you know? I, I can't get enough 5e, so I have faith it won't suck, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, like, well, like the Saltmarsh one, like I said, that 500 bucks for all Saltmarsh, that could have been... I'm, I'm hoping I can reuse a lot of stuff from the boxes, too, because a lot of it you can kind of translate into just, like, generic DMAs, too. Right. Yeah, I... And I don't want... I'm not meaning That's to what say... I'm using the, yeah, I'm not I've mean, used the boat, never right. for the actual boat it's supposed to be. Okay. I've used it for it to be other right. boats, but it, it's nice to have, though, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that any of the Wizards of the Coast adventures have sucked. I've actually liked all of them, but... There are some I like more than others, and I only have so much time to game in a year, uh, and I'm not going to get to those other books anyway. So, so I won't. I don't want to spend five hundred dollars on a on an adventure that sort of is towards the bottom of my rankings. So I probably won't play it anytime soon, you know. Uh, and that's the yeah. trick, right? I would honestly say if they if these like as much as it's cool and they're building they're building from the hype that is centered around the release of the the book from Wizards. Like, my decision, my calculus, whether or not to buy it or not, would be a lot better if the Platinum Edition boxes came out six months later and they had time to sort of see the finished product and, and tweak what was in it and all that stuff, too. Uh, and I had a chance to read the book and see if, if I really loved the story before I paid for it. Um, but I don't know if that if, if giving up that hype is worth it for them as a, as a business yeah, cause model. That would, yeah, because that puts them on like almost like a separate like release schedule. They'd right. be like always a book behind playing catch-up. And you definitely want to strike why the iron's hot because like, like um, yeah, what, like if people are all about that new hotness and people have played. Uh, even new players have got to the point where they've played like, I tried to get an online game together. And we're like, so what hasn't everybody played? And people are getting to the point where they've played through. I mean, it's been five years and people that have been playing for like the last two years have already burnt through. Like, I don't know what they're doing, but they're, <laughs> they're burning through these campaigns. So they're like, already like already played. Every so yeah, I, yeah, it is kind of, I'd be willing to wait personally, but like I do a lot of the, uh, I do a lot of public games and stuff. So people do want, like, well, that's what just came out. That's what I want to play. Like, okay, it's not like video games. We can go play, like, an advanced D&D module. I'll just make it fifth edition for you. It'll still be fun. Like, but people are kind of on that release schedule now with the D&D stuff even. Like, they want the new stuff and they want it now. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. But what, do you th what are you saying? What are you thinking, Tracy? Well, one thing I'm thinking about, too, is, I mean, they are making a limited number of them. Mm -hmm. uh, if it turns, the, the calculus for if it's worth the money really depends on what you're trying to get out of the game and where your priorities are, too, Right. in my in the way I'm viewing it. Because, I mean, we a lot of people complain about the cost of the hardcover books themselves to begin with, and that's when we're talking about $50. But, like, if, if this is what you do for fun... And you are the type of person that having that tactile feel and these fun things to have at your table is going to make that experience a lot more. And you happen to have the money, mm -hmm. like it probably is worth it at that point. Um, but it's I don't I don't I would suggest that maybe for folks where five hundred is a real stretch, 
that maybe that's not going to be where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Is that a fair maybe yeah. also way of looking at it? Yeah. Uh, Michaela would like to, to also point out that only the Platinum editions are limited, apparently. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So but that's also the more expensive one, so that makes sense. Right. <laughs> so, now, there right. should be... There should be enough of the uh, Eberron for everybody who wants one. <laughs> sure. Right. And right. that's another one. Again, you're, you're putting 250 into um, being able to help you run your Eberron adventures. If you're going to get a long period of time out of it, then it's probably you're getting a lot out of it. If it's something that you're going to look at for a month or a month and a half, you know, it might be a harder sell. Sure. Okay, well, I think we've, uh, we've talked this out well. Okay, so now let's go to Jeff talking to the founder of Beetle Grimm, the man who inspired the Grimm part of the name, Bill Rayher. Jeff? All right, so uh, I am here now with Bill Rayher. Did I say it right? Yeah, pretty much. How's it going? We literally just practiced like 30 seconds ago, so <laughs> I was hoping I didn't mess it up already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, things are great. Things are awesome. Uh, so you are one of the the one of the people that, that make up Beetle and Grimm. Yeah. Okay. You want to yeah. ta- talk a little bit about your role in the company so people sort of know who you are and where you're coming from? Yeah, sure. Um, so there are five of us who started the company. Um, uh, Matt Lillard, uh, John Cigolini, my brother Charlie – and Paul Shapiro. And um, so the five of us uh, started and owned the company. And and it's been interesting. Um, I, I think the sensible thing would be, would have been for us to all assign ourselves to really specific roles and <laughs> keep doing those things over and over again and actually get good at them. But that's not the way we've handled it so far. So we all do a little bit of everything. Um, uh, we're, we're all involved in the creative process. We kind of take turns running different projects. Um, but I was the lead on the Avernus box. Oh. So I am just now kind of coming down from this really <laughs> intense uh, five or six month period of my life. So, uh, um, and I'm kind of taking a backseat on Eberron. So I'm the person who now has a little bit of free time on their hands to uh, come on and chat. Okay, great. Uh, so, so instead of having specific tasks that everybody sort of gets good at, it's everybody focuses on one sort of product at a time and, and cycles through that way? Yeah, it's. I, I mean, we found it's been really important to have one person who is who has their, their head in that one project 100% of the time and okay. is making sure that all the artists are completing things on time and we're getting everything into production on time and, you know, just kind of overseeing the whole thing. Um, but everybody's involved, uh, in one way or another. And we all have our little tasks inside of that mechanism. Okay. Right. So does that mean you're the person that's responsible for this? (laughs) Are you the one who made that happen? (laughs) So, (laughs) I can't take credit for the plushie other than the fact that I ultimately said yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the plushie actually, well, that was Matt's idea. He was super, super excited about doing the plushie. And, and I admit that the rest of us were pretty um, reluctant initially. Um, but the thing that won us over with Lulu is that um, 
it, it's really an integral part of that adventure. So it's not it's not a superfluous thing that we right. threw in because it's cute. You know, it really does play a role. And when you're playing that game, it's kind of easy to forget that she's with you. And um, having just sort of a reminder on the table as you're playing that, hey, she's there, and she's actually pretty darn useful um, at times. Right. Um, it actually does have playability, and that's that's always um, you know one of our guiding principles. We want to make sure that when we're including things, it it really is enhancing the game experience first mm. and foremost. And then if it's also super cute and cuddly, then that's a bonus. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No. And and I don't know like that a, a plush character like that would have worked in the previous adventures, but Lulu kind of is so integral to this adventure and is also so cute. It kind of works, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Was right. It, what, yeah. Good. Good. I'm, I'm glad that was. Our oh, no, no. My, my apps. I mean, I, I am absolutely going to be doing this over top of the DM screen whenever Lulu talks. Like, I mean, it's a natural, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. You got to, and the uh, wings kind of flutter. It's, yeah. it's adorable. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And you've also got uh, you also tend to do like a handful of the the miniatures and things as well, right? So, uh, or particularly the useful things that are otherwise hard to get, you know, that kind of thing, right? Right. That's a big handful. That is a handful. Um, <laughs> was, was there thought? So that, so, no, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I was going to say that was actually one of the very first things that we decided on for Avernus. It's. Um, so we have a really interesting um, process with our calendar because in the summer of 2018, we found out the basic storyline for Avernus. Okay. We didn't even know it was called Avernus back then. It had a code name. I think it was called Eclipse at the time. Um, and uh, so we got like a short story guide that had some characters and some story elements and sort of a basic framework and that's kind of all we get for the first several months so you know we're trying to get some kind of um a head start on things as much as we can because by the time that we get the full text we're really running behind you right. know where we, we get it very late and then we're racing to the finish line so we're trying to kill some things off early on in the process and um the infernal machines were a big were clear from that initial little story guide. It was clear the, the infernal machines were going to be a big part of it, and uh, they had already started talking to Whiz Kids about doing those machines. So we immediately got involved with that and said, "We got to do this. We got to have something with that." And they were incredibly gracious and cooperative and helpful, and um, they're just terrific, terrific people to work with. Right. And they really wanted not only to include it in our box, but they, you know, offered to do this extra thing to make it special, to give us that front piece that nobody else can get. Yeah. That, uh, that bit there with yeah, the, with the saw that, on it. Yeah. The wheel of death, man. Um, so yeah, so that was great. That was such a great first start. And when we, when we saw their mock-ups for that, we were like, okay, this is going to be an awesome box. 
that's great. Yeah, we and we've jumped straight into to the Avernus box talking about it. Uh, I had intended on going back and starting from you know the beginning of the company and all that. And we can kind of, we can still sure. go back to it, but now that we're talking about things, uh, okay. we, can, we can talk about that too. Um, and, and I think it gives some insight into sort of the process as well. Um, so so when you when you're putting together these things, like so when this Infernal War Machine was put together, did you have much input into what was going to what how it was going to work uh or was it WizKid saying here's what we're thinking and that's how it works or or well, yeah what's that what was that like how does that yeah happen? so that's one of the very few pieces that we didn't have full control over okay um uh you know we're we're not a minis company um it's not something that's easy to get into um and there's this you know, really collaborative company that does it and does it really well. So um, right now it makes more sense for us to kind of let them um, take the lead on that. And um, so the only thing we were really involved in was, you know, what can we do with that front piece that would be really cool to make it sort of unique to us. Um, and, you know, that, that, those discussions are already starting to happen for the, the 2020 box. Um, and, you know, again, we're working from a story guide. We don't have the full text yet. They don't have the full text yet either. Right. So we're all kind of trying to figure out um, what would be a cool thing to be able to do together next year. And I, 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 we have some really, really cool ideas. I think it's going to be exciting. Okay. So is the, is the customizable or the customized front piece, is that why it comes off? Or do you do you know why WizKids made it so that the front piece comes? Yeah, off? I think I think their idea was that uh, if you have multiple pieces, that you could switch them off and take one off and put another on and make it look different and all that. Uh, I think. Okay, and I assume the back part doesn't come off. It's got a seam on it, but I didn't want to force it and mess something up. The, so the top does come off. Does it? It's supposed to. You, have you, yeah, the top is supposed to come off. I know okay. it gets a little sticky here. Uh, it's on there yeah, real tight, and not. I didn't want to force it and break some, break my, something out of my five hundred dollar box. <laughs> you yeah. Know. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has, and it's you know, it it's great for giving you a sense of how big this darn thing is. You yeah. know, you say big vehicle, but then uh, you know, you put it next to a, a, a one of your regular figures, right. and, and you realize that oh my god, god this thing is. is massive. Right. So, so the process is something to the effect of you get a a story bible or a story outline or whatever from Wizards once they agree to to partner with you on it, right? Uh, and so, yeah. and so then then it's well, what can we start putting together from from that outline? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we try to, to like I said, you know, we're, we're we're just trying to get ahead of the curve, so right. Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure that the soul coins were pretty well defined in the story guide. There it is. We kind of knew that was going to be part of it. Um, we knew that there was going to be a big infernal contract that was going to play a big role um, that, in moving you from this, this one. That's the, yeah. yeah. My, 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 one of my, my links, beauty. one of my links came off, but I, fa I found it so I can reattach it. I think so. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's a drag. Um, it still kind of looks yeah, cool, so, England, you know, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So there were some some nice little pieces in there that we could get rolling on. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, 
um, you know, the big stuff we, we just couldn't really pull the trigger on until, um, it was maybe, uh, I think maybe April or May of this year okay. that we really got enough details that we were able to really start going on some, some of the, the specific stuff. So it's a, mm-hmm. once we, once we get going, it's a real race to the finish line for us to get this thing out. But it sounds like the the things that you were able to get a head start on are the kinds of things that that are the bigger sort of physical props that might take a little more time. Does that seem? Is and that's yeah. and that, is yeah. that that's, that's why? We, although um, it's funny, you know, we we're we're learning as we go, and you know, we've only done three of these, and so we've mm-hmm. still got a lot to learn. But um, it it surprises you what things take the longest. That those DM screens. These are so time consuming. Oh yeah. Um, because not, not only from a design perspective, because we're trying to put together all the different charts in there and trying to pick what's worthwhile mm-hmm. and you've only got so much real estate. And um, so you're picking and choosing what's going to be in there. And then they all have custom art on them. And mm-hmm. so we have to commission the art and get that and then they get that approved and get the inside approved. And then the production part of it, of making a really good quality DM screen, it actually takes a while. So um, that uh, that was a big challenge this time. Getting both DM screens done uh, in time was was a real near thing for us. So that's that's something we've learned that from now on, we we have to push that to the very top of the priority list to make sure that it's done first so it doesn't hold us up. Well, and there are other companies that do like custom DM screens for the adventures. I think Gale Force 9 has done custom DM screens yep. for, for a lot of the Watsy yep. adventures. Um, yep. But they don't, uh, in my, from my understanding, they don't do these sort of thick, hardbound sort of DM screens. They're the thinner sort of cardstock thing. Um, yeah, and, and I, I don't think, I mean, we love Gale Force 9, great company, yeah. uh, and they, they do great work. I don't think they commission uh, original art for theirs either. Yeah, I don't think so. so. Yeah, so ours are there. It's just a different kind of product, but yeah. but ours are a little bit more labor intensive than I think what they're doing. Sure. Yeah. Well, I was impressed. I mean, this is these DM screens are uh, equal in quality to the one I you buy from Wizards of the Coast, right? And that's just the, the generic one. So I was impressed to. To have a DM screen that's that high a quality that may get used for you know three four months and then, and then it gets gets shelved you know <laughs> yeah right well you know um, with the uh, with the Baldur's Gate screen and the Waterdeep screen and even the Saltmarsh screen we do try to design them so that um, they have some usability beyond that particular box so you know if you want to run other adventures out of Baldur's Gate. That's one of the reasons we thought it was really important to include both screens is because Baldur's Gate is a, it's a great location to run adventures in. and You might do a lot in there, just like a lot of people are still running homebrew campaigns out of Waterdeep. Sure. Um, My current campaign is, you know, is I mean, Waterdeep. I, so. I talked to people at cons who are like, you know, we played Strahd five years ago, and we decided to make that our home base after that, and we, all of our adventures go out of that that locale and I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I get that. Absolutely, these are cool worlds that they're creating, and um, a lot of people want to stay in them after the adventure's done. So, God bless. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you start with this early outline. You figure out what you can put together, uh, and does it always happen to be the the sort of heavier uh, 
props like that, the soul coins and the the miniatures and that kind of stuff that comes early? Or do sometimes you throw those? Yeah, generally, because, because we don't have the text, um, right. it's, it's hard to do anything that's really seriously text-based. So it, it tends to be things that they've already created art for, like the soul coin or the infernal machine, where we can go, okay, mm -hmm. we've got the art. We know exactly what that's supposed to look like. Let's right. run with that for a little, bit, little while. And then we can yeah. get those things kind of done. Freeze us up later, and then and then you're you're just sitting and waiting, or probably working on other other boxes at that time, overlapping, right? But then you're sitting and waiting for the right. text to come yeah. out, right? So in this case, you know, we we did some work on Avernus, and then um, then Salt Marsh kicked in at the beginning of the year, and we were working really hard on Salt Marsh to get that done, right. and it timed out pretty well that just as Salt Marsh was getting ready to ship. We were getting the details on Avernus, so we were able to kind of transition from one into the other. Right. And then, and then it's going to get more challenging as we do more things, for sure. Sure. And then you've got the the difficult. I mean, putting together the text-based stuff isn't just. It's not just the taking the chapters and breaking them up into the books, right? It's it's also then creating the the menus and the maps and the you know what you know all these other the little handouts and things, right? There's all these little things that you put together. Do all of those sort of just, you hit the ground running and you start coming up with ideas and throwing as much of it together as you can as soon as you get the, the text? Yeah, I, the, I, the day that we get the actual text is probably the, the, the most fun we have as a company. <laughs> um, it's also the reason we never get to play these adventures because we don't have time to all sit down and run Avernus for a few months and figure out, you know, how it plays. We, we, the day we get it, we all have to sit down and read it cover to cover, hopefully a couple of times. So we've really got an understanding of it. And then we all get together in a room and we just start making spreadsheets and we're just like throwing ideas out of mm. Which maps seem exciting and which, you know, there was a comment on page 96 about a thing that maybe we could hand out to people. And, and you know, I, I was actually going back and looking at the old lists and stuff. And there's like, oh, there's some really cool stuff on there that we weren't able to get to this time around. But Yeah, um, I, was, I was wondering, uh, how do you decide sort of what gets made and what doesn't get made? Like, how do, how do you find out that I get a, a plush Lulu, but I don't get a miniature Lulu to put on the map? Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it, it's it's sort of a killing your babies kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, we, we, we get a list of things we love, and then, you know, the, the list would be like a $3,000 box. And then we have to say, okay, well, how can we make this workable? And right. you it's, just, it's already a hard enough sell at 500 right? So. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not easy. You know, we're already kind of high-end. Um so, you know, I think it, it, we start to look for reasons to not include things. Um, that's kind of the way it works. So, mm -hmm. for instance, um, the, one of the ideas that we had early on was how cool it would be to have sulfur-scented candles in the box. Oh, that would we be thought cool. that was a great idea. Put them out on the table, and they smell like hell, and, and wow, wouldn't that be great? Turns out... Uh, Hasbro isn't really excited about you putting candles in a box full of paper. That's weird. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, so that gets crossed off the list. Um, 
lose just sort of a choice thing where we said that, um, you know, the, the infernal machine is a big expensive item and mm -hmm. we decided, okay, that's going to be our mini budget. Uh, we'd rather do one amazing mini, uh, than do, uh, you know, a collection of smaller ones like we did for Waterdeep. We just really wanted one thing that was really unique and would blow people's minds and you couldn't get anywhere else. Um, so that kind of eliminated the idea of including a Lulu uh, to play out on the map, but then something else got eliminated, and that sort of created a budget spot where we could say, okay, yeah, maybe we do a, we do a big Lulu, and and that'll be more. Sure. And you know, and again, um, you know, we do try to think of everything in terms of playability, and that's how mm -hmm. Lulu made it into the box because it, it really, at the end of the day, we really did feel like it was going to contribute something. Sure. And in some cases, like the decisions seem fairly easy, right? You've got your 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 um, your cards for the creatures and the NPCs and whatever, and you pretty much cover every single stat and, and art that you might need for every creature that's mentioned in the in the book, right? Uh, so that those yeah. those seem yeah. like the easy decisions. Uh, and then there's the tougher decisions of okay, what we can't get everything and of everything in, right? And so uh, I get where you'd have to make some choices. Um, I also noticed that you made some choices in terms of of the format for different things. So, for example, the the was it the dungeon of the the dead three um, gets these sort of card types of of maps, whereas all of the other maps are are rolled up in the big tube. I didn't unpack the big tube for this. Right. <laughs> Uh, so how do you make no the decision about what what gets into what form? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no there's no perfect answer for these things. Um, you know, again, we try to think about it in terms of um, what's going to make uh, what's going to make the DM's job the easiest. So, in the case of the Dead Three map, um, when we looked at a 24 by 30 space, which is the size of most of our battle maps, right. um, we just couldn't fit very much of the Dead 3 map onto that because it's kind of big and it's kind of funky and stretches out in different directions. It's a, it's a hard one to condense. Okay. So our thought process was if these are primarily battle maps let's take the rooms where you're most likely to be fighting something and really focus on those and give you a really nice version of those sections of the, uh, of the dungeon. Um, so, so that's what we did. And if we had put it on a regular map, we just wouldn't have been able to include as much of it. Um, you know, I don't know if it was the right decision or not. And, and we loved getting feedback from people and, you know, I'll be interested to see what people say, but yeah. but that's kind of what we're focused on for that. There, and Avernus was really challenging map-wise in general because there are a lot of really big areas right. that we're trying to cover. And um, so everything took a lot of thought and and we had to make some compromises for space. And, and I, I hope that when people play it out, they feel like the compromise, you know, we made the right choices. Yeah. And if not, let us know and we'll try to do better next time. Well, and, and that's where um, I guess the, t the timeline of the whole thing is, is the real sticking point there, right? Because that's where if you did have time to actually play through it, you could sort of see 
which things were useful and which things weren't, whatever. But you've got to turn the whole thing around in a handful of months. So yeah, uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, we have all been, you know, we're all old men at this point, and uh, you're not and the we've only been ones. playing since, you know, we've been playing since the '70s. Uh, so you know, I, I do think we have pretty good instincts about right. um, about how things will play out, but. That doesn't mean we're always right, and it doesn't mean that what works best for us is necessarily going to work best for every DM out there. Right. You know, everybody's got to got to make these things their own, and, and hopefully, we're just giving them a lot of tools to um, to make things easy on them and make them look good as as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And and in some cases, like I think you your instincts played out well because you talked about the giant maps, and you can't really have the giant maps, but you can throw in these sorts of things that I could very easily throw on my existing sort of blank map and suddenly I, 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 I already, now I have the planes of Avernus, right? All I needed was a few little feature details to, to make it come to life. Yeah, good, good, I'm glad. That's, uh, that, that was one of the things we were really insistent on and we had never done anything like that and, mm. and there were a lot of different elements to putting it together. So it was very complicated and challenging, but... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when you play it, you realize that in that chapter three, there are a lot of things that can happen out in the wastelands of Avernus that you, as a DM, you can't necessarily predict. You know, they're going to go do their own things, and you don't know how things are going to play out and where they might end up meeting this person or that person or that war band or whatever. Right. Um, so we really felt like it was important to have something modular that you can adjust to fit whatever it is you're doing have you ever and i'm sure you have uh and i I want to talk at some point uh, a little bit more about like future plans and how this whole process scales and where it goes um sure sure. but but you talk about some of these things that you couldn't put in the box for whatever reason right it didn't fit into the budget or candles in a box full of paper didn't work for hasbro's legal team or whatever right? Um, Right, right right but you've got an online store did you ever think about just selling the the candles and then people can can you know get some of the th- items a la carte to enhance their their game? Uh, we think about it. Uh, we you know um, we we are licensees of Wishes of the Coast, um, and um, there are some uh, there are some pretty strict uh, barriers of what we can do and what we can't do. Sure. And when we're directly related to a wizard's product. And um, and we actually really appreciate that because one of the reasons that that's there is that they're very protective of every licensee's personal space. Right. So they don't want us doing something that's going to infringe on Gale Force Nine or Wiz Kids doing something that's going to infringe on us. You know, they want us all to have our own space and to focus on the things that we do really well and let other people focus on the things that they do really well and. That's really important for us as a company because, um, you know, we wouldn't want them telling some other company, hey, you can also do Platinum Editions, and, um, and then we're, we're crossing over each other, and, and there's brand confusion, and, you know, that's, that's not really good for anybody. Mm-hmm. Plus, it keeps us all really happy with each other. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the main reasons that we decided to embark on this journey of creating this company was 
we all went to one of the early streaming events that Wizards hosted in Seattle, the um, the one for Tomb of Annihilation, before they started doing live events in L.A. And we met a lot of the other licensees there, and they were all so collaborative and so gracious and so eager to help each other out. And everything was, let's work together, and how can I help you, and what are you doing, and what can I help do to make it better, and mm-hmm. um, and you be on my show, and we'll be on your show. And, you know, it's like, it's such a great community, and... You know, part of that's because they're all cool people, but I do think that part of that is because Wizards make sure that we're not competing against each other directly. You know, it's almost as if Wizards of the Coast is a company that's good at figuring out how to uh, arrange things mechanically to get people to collaborate. You know, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. form a to form a party and work together, and you know, <laughs> do what we do yeah. for this hobby, right? So. Very good. Yeah. So and thank God they have that approach because yeah. it works well. You know, we could have walked in and, and pitched this whole thing to them and they could have said, Wow, that sounds great. I think we'll do it ourselves. Sure. But they really love working with companies and, and letting them uh, you know, go off and do things um, you know, as long as they show that they're competent and really in love with the product, then right. they they are really great about empowering you to go do your thing. Well and they could also um grant licenses to every single person to make whatever products that comes along and probably make more money in the short term. But absolutely in, in the long term, they're not, they're not engendering their, themselves to the community and the fans. They're not engendering themselves as much that way towards the licensees. Um, so, so that's probably a smart move is to build that sort of collaborative space. So. Yeah. 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 And they take it really seriously. Now they don't want that logo appearing on anything that doesn't meet their standard. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're about their review process and that's exactly the way we want it. Yeah. Great. So then let's talk about what the plans are for future projects. Uh, I mean, obviously uh, the, the platinum editions and that, that kind of stuff is going, well, clearly you can't tell me about what the next project is. <laughs> Although <laughs> if you want to, you're welcome to, but yeah. Um, no, uh, we have, we have many people, um, that we talk to, including myself that are under NDA with Watsi anyway. So, um, anything yeah. we, anybody may or may not know can't be discussed. Right. Um, but in, ter- right. in general terms, you know, you've done the, the silver edition, you've done a, a handful of uh, what, two, three platinum editions now. Yeah, two platinum editions so far, and so um, so, we're, so right now we have. Oh, so okay. Go ahead. I was gonna say. So, so what's the plan in terms of these tiers? I, I I think I heard in an interview or something once that there was talk maybe of gold editions some days. Uh, you know, and and maybe someday being able to offer all three sort of tiers for for any given product. Um, where are we at in terms of that process? So okay, so um, so the first thing is. Uh, we are putting together our first gold box right now. That's forever on. Okay. And that'll launch in February. Um, and that's really exciting. First of all, cause it's our first gold edition. Mm-hmm. And second of all, because it's the first time we've worked with something that's primarily a source book. Yeah. It's not an adventure. So, right. There is a small adventure in it, but mostly it's world building. Um, and so that's kind of changed our approach. Um, you know, a lot of it's the same, there's going to be a ton of maps. Um, there's a we're breaking the book up into sections, which I think is super helpful for Eberron because there are sections of that book that are really player centric, mm-hmm. and there are sections that are DM centric. 
And I think by breaking that up, we make it a little more usable. Um, and, um, you know, there'll be some jewelry in it. There'll be a lot of maps. Um, there'll be some in-world stuff for the adventure that is in there, which is a really cool little adventure. Um, and, uh, but, but that's, that's kind of a new experience for us. So there's that, that's going to be our first gold edition. We are doing, um, another platinum edition for the big fall release, which, as I said, we're working on the story guide right now. We have some preliminary ideas for it and we're waiting eagerly to get the full text. Um, and we, I, I can confirm, um, this was a recent decision, but I can confirm we are definitely going to do more than one tier for that box. So that's okay. going to be our first time splitting up and, and offering t at least two different tiers for one adventure. And we're going to see how that runs and see what that, that looks like for people. So okay. we're excited to see, um, how that plays out. Um, then you can get some very the, clear comparisons between which tier has the bigger audience or, or, or you know, what have you, sort of where the popularity is, too. So, Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and we're hoping that, you know, we, we never, you know, this is always going to be a, a high-end kind of niche thing sure. that isn't for everybody for every book. Um, but we've never wanted to be elite or anything you know we want to include people as much as we can so we're really eager to find opportunities to get to lower price points where we still feel like we're putting out something that meets our standards and kind of fits our niche uh of of uh you know the kind of product that we offer and what beetle and grims means to people um so anyway so we'll do that um uh, without giving a whole lot of details, I will say we are hard at work on our first player-centric product for next year. Okay. Um, you know, everything we've done so far has really been marketed towards a DM, right. uh, which is great. And that was our initial goal with this company. Um, but we're realizing, you know, that we're still really only marketing to one out of five or one right. out of six. There's a lot more players than there are DMs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we've got a really exciting idea um, for something for players uh, that we're working with Wizards on uh, that'll be uh, an official licensed product, um, and uh, I think it's going to be really cool. So we're really excited for that. We're hoping to be able to debut that around Gen Con next year. Okay. And then towards the end of the year, hopefully we will be doing one other adventure. Um, and uh, I can't say what it is, but I think people are going to be really excited about it. So that we haven't actually haven't decided what tier that's going to be at. Um, we, we still have some some work to do on that to decide exactly what we want to do with that. But it's uh, it's going to be a cool project. Cool. Excellent. Uh, so you, we, you talked a little bit about how you you don't want it to be you don't want the company to be elitist, so to speak. Right. You want it to be accessible. But it is sort of high-end, you know, products, right? That's, that's what you're selling. Uh, you know, when you're selling a, a, sure. a single adventure for $500, that's a high-end, fairly elite product, right? Uh, so, and I think that speaks to a little bit of sort of the mission of the company. What is Beetle and Grimm's mission then? If they're not, if they're presenting or selling these really expensive items, but they're not you don't want to be elitist, then then what is the mission of the company? So uh, it's a good question. Uh, so 
when we first uh, when we first took this idea to Wizards, um, our pitch to them was um, we want to make a DM feel confident. We want to reduce their prep time, and we want to make them look awesome in front of their players and give their players a great experience. That's, that's the primary goal. We've all DM'd at different times in our lives. We know how hard it is. Um, when we first talked to Wizards, they said, look, there is no shortage in the world of people who want to play D&D. Mm -hmm. The shortage is of people who are willing to DM those games. That's what people need. And so our, our primary mission coming out of the gate was how do we encourage people to DM who have never done it before or who don't like it or are scared of it? And then how do we make the existing DMs enjoy it more, reduce their prep time, make them feel better about what they're doing, create great games? Um, it wasn't, we didn't walk out saying, what we want to do is make a $500 box. We said, <laughs> we want to make this thing as cool as possible, and what is that going to take? Um, so, uh, that's, you know, that, that really is where we're at. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, look, I mean, I'm 50 years old. I've been playing since I was 11, I think. Um, and I went through that period when I was in my teens and I had more time than money. Sure. And at that time in my life, I was the guy who hand wrote out the note from the evil overlord and I put it in the oven to make the corners turn <laughs> up and, you know, spilled fake blood on it or whatever. You know, that I, I, I was that guy. I was mm -hmm. that DM for a long time. Um, I'm not that guy anymore. I'm older. I have a family. I have a house. And I have a job and I'm now at a time where I have more money than I have free time. Right. So for me to have somebody who is going to pre-prepare all this stuff for me and provide it in a way that I can feel proud of, um, that has a lot of value sure. to me. And it's not for everyone. And, and I totally get that. Um, and, uh, you know, we just hope that that for people who are in that situation, um, they see some value out of it and have some fun with it. Absolutely. That's all we can do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a good approach, you know. Uh, recognize very clearly that the goal is not to expand and make this something that everybody has to have, right? But for yeah. people who have the money and don't have the time and want to make it awesome and still have the handouts and the, and the props, it, it provides that. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, just to just to finish that out, um, you know, we do we do try to sell some elements outside of the box. Uh, you know, we sell the jewelry online on our website. So you can go and if you, all you want is a soul coin, you can go on our website and you can just buy a soul coin and you get the, the get the badges. Are you selling the badges? Yep, The badges are there. <laughs> um, yep. Uh and, uh, you know, we still sell this stuff from Waterdeep. So if you want to go back and, you know, get some dragon coins from Waterdeep, that's all there. Uh, we did a, a, a pack of maps for a, um, an open source 5e game uh, called Sea King's Malice. Mm -hmm. And that 
you know, there's a map tube that that we sell that has it has it's a re actually a really cool set. It's it's three shipments made for that adventure. But um, they have the full layout on one side, and then on the back they have sort of the blank outline of the ships. And it's a dry erase, so you can draw in the map as you go. So you know, a, any DM who's running any kind of homebrew seafaring campaign of any kind can use those maps in their own thing. And so, you know, we try to create things like that that are at lower price points um, that can have that same effect, you know, that can give a DM an opportunity to present something that's really cool and a little bit more high-end and more immersive and interactive for their players without having to go out and buy a big $500 box. Right. Very cool. Uh, and I like the idea of the jewelry being available from the boxes because, like, these these three badges are kind of awesome, and I'd kind of like to have them to give away to my players as souvenirs. But having one of each in the box, I can't do that. But if I can go out right. and buy, if I can go out and buy five flaming fist badges, now everybody gets to be a member of the flaming fist. You know? So, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's 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 one we we really wanted to make sure was available and 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 got it up online because uh, yeah, like you say, I mean, right there at the beginning. You're straight into the flaming fist, and it's great to be able to have everybody at the table wearing one of those suckers. Right. It's fun. Absolutely, cool. Uh, so, to going way back, then um, I am I am under the impression that the company is uh, of Beetle and Grimm is named for a couple of characters, and that one of those characters is yours. Is that accurate? That is absolutely correct. Yes. So, so who are you, Beetle or Grimm? Uh, I, I am Grim, or I was Grim for for many many years. Um, that was one of our first big campaigns that uh, that John ran. That our all the members of the company played together. Um, so I ran Grim, who was a a big hulking uh, barbarian out in the frozen wastes. And this was back in 3E and then eventually moved to 3.5. Um, so he had a, a prestige class, if you remember those. He was a foe hunter, was the name of the prestige class. So he was a giant hunter who hunted the, the frost giants out in the frozen wastes. And Beetle was Matt's character, who was a dwarf thief slash mage. Who spills ale on people and, from the miniature, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> He was a he was a, a he was a, a horrible person. Uh, quite <laughs> um, uh, he he was a braggart and a drunkard and um, and he and uh, he and Grim clashed like you would not believe. Um, you know they had they, they were a wonderful um, contrast in personalities, which really made that game super fun and memorable. And I think. For both Matt and I, uh, at least, I think that will always be um, that will always live in our minds as as maybe the most personal um, campaign that that we've ever run. It was just it was just a hell of a lot of fun, and because it was one of the first ones that we went on for a while with, it would uh, it really resonated with us. Sure. So, since the company is named after your character and Matt's character, were the two of you sort of the brain? children that put this whole thing together is that where it started or how, why your characters well, the are not the other people aren't <laughs> online right now so i'm i'm gonna say yes okay uh, 
Uh, no, it, it was absolutely very much an equal thing with the five of us. It's just that uh, a company name with five character names would have been really tiresome. And those are the two uh, that sounded the coolest? Yeah, we yeah. didn't want to be Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we to, to trim it down a little bit. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's that's what we picked and, and that went, went uh, it, it just kind of sounded good and fit well. And Very good. Uh, so we, we've gone a, a significant amount of time. It's almost been 45 minutes that and I, and I told you it would be about a half an hour. So I apologize for going so far over. Um, it's all good. Wet flash. Rather than, than go into all of my, my other questions, uh, which really there's just a few. But, but I, I wanted to finish with one question. And it has to do with the, yes. the box, okay. uh, the, the, the book-shaped box that the, that the whole thing comes in. The lid... Yes is like heavier than the rest of the box by like two times. Why is the lid so heavy? <laughs> Tell me about that. Okay. So um, originally, uh, the reason for that was because we wanted to build the soul coin into the mm -hmm. the top of the box. You've seen that, okay. right? You, when you open it up, it's, it's inset into the top. We just thought that would be a really cool effect. We were just looking for something, you know, we think a lot about presentation and what it's going to be like to open this the first time and what that experience is like. So that was the first thing we did. Um, but the other thing was, as we started to experiment with it and compare it to the Dragon Heist box, um, we just found that the the cover of the Dragon Heist box felt a little... Um, it felt a little too lightweight to us. It okay. felt a little not flimsy, but we wanted it to have a little bit more gravitas when you opened that darn thing. And um, so as they started to add thickness to it to, to accommodate the coin, we were like, oh, this is cool. Actually, this makes it feel cool when you <laughs> open it. Let's, let's go with that. So that's all it was. It was really just initially it was practical, but then it became a thing of I, I, just, I just like the way that feels. It makes the whole thing feel more sturdy and and heavy and important when you open it. Very good. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to meet with me and, and, and to talk to all of, uh, all of our listeners. And um, this has been great. Uh, is there anywhere that people should go to on the internet if they want to sort of follow what you're up to? I mean, Beetle, Beetle and Grimm's website, I, I assume. But any, anywhere else that they can find you? Uh, you know, I'm I'm shockingly bad at social media, so. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, we we do have a great great people who run our our Twitter account, and um, and uh, we do have the website where all of this stuff is available. And um, uh, you know, I would say if you have any interest at all, sign up for the mailing list because um, we we my my brother runs the mailing list, and he does a terrific job both uh, of keeping people abreast of what we're doing and making announcements. Um, and also uh, he does a great job of answering people's questions and taking feedback. Um, if you have suggestions for future boxes, things you like, things you didn't like, go to the website, email the support goblin uh, and, um, and, and let us know because we, we really are still in our infancy and um, we love interacting with, with the, uh, with the fans and, and learning how to make things better. So bring it on. Very good. Uh, hopefully people go and check all that out, and I thank you again for, for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and let's do it again soon. Absolutely. And that's the end of this episode.
We'd like to say thank you to all our listeners who support us by shopping at Amazon or DMs Guild through the links in the tomeshow.com or become patrons at patreon.com slash the tomeshow. We'd also like to thank our guest, Matt Wayne. Matt, where can people find you? Um, Impact RPG, all one word, on Twitter and Twitch. I want to thank Bill Rayer for, for joining us uh, as well. It was very uh, generous of him to, to join in and, and answer all of my questions and curiosities. Many of the things that um, I was curious about that we kind of talked about, uh, I knew about because I had talked to him. So thanks, Bill, for joining us. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out to the to the show, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I am at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. Tracy is at Sarah Dark Magic. That's Sarah with an H and Dark with a D. I don't know. Uh, and you can also <laughs> tweet uh, the show. We are at the Tome Show. And that's episode 331, where we found an entire first layer of hell in a single box. In this episode of the Tome, the Tome, the Tome, the Tome, the Tome, the Tome. The tome. I'm not a wall.